0: Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates interviews, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your interviewer, Kathleen Fullen, and I would like to introduce David Hoffert, running for Alder from District 13. As we begin, please tell our viewers a bit about how your educational, vocational, and civic experience has prepared you for the position and why you decided to run for Alder.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, and good morning to you. Um, Yeah, so I'm David Hofford. I'm running for Alder in District 13. And, you know, I'm running because uh, every election cycle in Madison, we keep having the same conversations over and over again. We keep talking about how housing affordability is getting out of control and how we're not doing enough about fighting climate change and how uh, racial inequities here are worse than anywhere else in the entire country. We keep having the same conversations over and over again because Madison loves to talk about progressive values and then not actually follow through on implementing those progressive policies. Um, And I've, I've had enough of that. I want to actually sit down and figure out what we can do to improve the lives of people here in Madison. Um, So I, you know, I bring, I bring a background of bringing people together, working together. I was president of actually two different neighborhood associations for two years each here in Madison. Um, And I've got, I've got a background in public policy. I have a degree in public policy. Um, But my whole thing is about not just talk. It's about, it's about getting down to action, figuring out what we can do. I've made a long list of policies on my website of even though the state Republicans, you know, won't let us strengthen our building code. How do we actually combat climate change? Um, even though, um, you know, these, these racial inequities are deeply entrenched, what do we do to give up some of our privilege here? And you know, District 13 has a lot of wealthy uh, white people. How do we make room for actual equity in this city? Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking with you about those sorts of issues today.
0: Okay, so, what issue or issues have you identified as being a primary concern to the residents of your district, and how would you approach tackling them?
1: Yeah, I mean I think again my my big three are housing affordability, climate change and and racial justice housing affordability um, we've spent the last several years um, putting money into an uh, an affordable housing fund that it, it, it's a drop in the bucket, right? It, it is helping um, to to fund certain projects going forward. But if we actually want to um, have genuine affordability in the city, and if we want to not just have affordable housing be built in already low-income areas of the city, but actually use affordable housing as a tool for desegregation, building affordable housing on the Monroe Street corridor where I live, for example, uh, we need to do more than just kind of passively offer money for those developers who are willing to build affordable housing anyway uh, and i 've proposed some significant zoning reform that would actually prioritize affordable housing and again so especially target wealthier parts of the city so that we are desegregating as we go um, Climate change uh, you know we we again we love to talk about it, but I want to take the Madison Solar Program, which is this very successful program that helps people uh, put uh, rooftop solar on their homes and do it for geothermal, do it for electric heat pumps, do it for electric car charging stations and garages. It's it's those kinds of practical things that we can do that would make a difference and that we're not doing right now because we're too busy scoring political points with each other.
0: There will be an advisory referendum on the ballot in April about a number of modifications to the Common Council, including changing the number of members, making it full-time, changing the term of office. Which of the ideas being advanced do you embrace, and why or why not?
1: Yeah, the most important thing about that referendum is that they took those different ideas and, and put them into separate questions. That's really important, because um, I think some of the ideas have much more merit than others. I strongly support increasing the job of Alder to full-time. On paper right now, Alder is a 10-hour-a-week job. In practice, it's 25 to 30 hours a week. And you think about who in our community has the luxury to spend 25 to 30 hours a week on top of their gainful employment on basically only weekends and uh, and, and, and evenings – you've got an inherently privileged group of people who are able to even consider serving as alder. If we want to actually give voice to marginalized communities in Madison, uh, we need to be willing to literally put our money where our mouth is. That said though, I don't support reducing the number of alders. I don't support um, moving the, the term from two years to four years. Those are things that could undermine the gains in representation that is the whole point of this um and and if you look at the committee report they were also torn about that a lot of people felt that they had to support reducing the number of alders to make the budget work out in that proposal i would much rather us say what is the right structure for government what is the right way to get people's uh voices heard and get people at the table casting those votes and do the right thing figure out the budget based on what the right structure is um So in April, of course, I'll be casting my vote as well. I'll be voting for making Alder full-time, but for not reducing the size of the council.
0: Thank you. Homelessness, evictions, and as you already mentioned, lack of affordable housing are vexing problems for Madison that seem to have been exacerbated in the time of COVID-19. What ideas would you advance or support to help solve these problems?
1: Yeah, so let me go into more detail about the, the proposal that I've made uh, in terms of zoning reform. For, first of all, there's a lot that we can do um, in, in general with zoning reform, some of which actually is getting introduced uh, to, the, to the city council uh, coming up here. We're, we're filming this in late January, and they just announced they're going to introduce a new ordinance on February 2nd um, to make it easier to build um, multi-unit, a small, small number of multi-unit dwellings. Um, That's good, but it's also a really missed opportunity because that ordinance treats market rate housing and affordable housing exactly the same. It's about increasing density, but it's not building in incentives for affordable housing. Um, I've proposed uh, creating zoning districts that are literally preferring affordable housing in the sense that If you build affordable housing, you get kind of a a rapid pass through the approval process. And if you're not building affordable housing, then you have to go through all the steps that we typically have and like, you know, Plan Commission and Urban Design Commission and so on. Um, Now, the state Republicans have prevented us from actually requiring affordable housing. We, we, We are not allowed to do that. But this wouldn't be a mandate. This would be an incentive. It would be us directing investment towards our values, um, and that's the kind of you know, out-of-the-box thinking. Oh, well, we can't do it the way we might want to do it, but here's what we can do. Here's what we must do. That's the kind. That's the, uh, thinking I want to bring to every topic on, on the city council.
0: Thanks. With the selection of a new police chief and the creation of a community oversight board, there's a lot of attention focusing on policing and criminal justice, both from the perspective of racial equity and law enforcement and the concern of many citizens that, in fact, crime, especially car thefts and home burglaries, is increasing and that police response is inadequate. How would you deal with these concerns?
1: Yeah, I think the creation of the civilian oversight board and the independent monitor were great steps forward. We we do need uh, community uh, control of police. After all, police is, you know they they exist to serve our community. Um, but I think it's important to not just pat ourselves on the back now that we have the the COB established, um, because both the COB and the independent monitor. Those are inherently reactive, right? If something bad happens, they will hopefully be able to provide a measure of accountability and justice. Uh, that's that's not enough. We have to prevent the bad things from happening in the first place. I strongly support taking a comprehensive look at how we fund public safety in this city. You know, right now we we call the police for all sorts of problems because there's nobody else to call. There's no inherent reason why we need a police response for mental health crises. There's no inherent reason why we need a police response for substance abuse issues, for traffic enforcement for that matter. But they're the only people we have to call right now. And if we could actually stand up alternative responders for those sorts of situations and you know have a, a comprehensive public safety budget, some of which went to the police, of course we need police. For things like mass shootings, God forbid. Um, Some went to the police, some went to these other social services, all in the right balance. I actually think that we could be more safe for overall less money and be responding to some of the calls for reform that that we've been hearing this year. Um, And it kind of boggles my mind that we haven't just done it.
0: Okay. Madison businesses of all kinds have been severely stressed during the past year. What, if anything, would you propose to support business revitalization?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, our, our city can't function um, without a vibrant economy. Um, and, and this year has been tough. There, there's, there's no getting around the fact that when you have a once-in-a-century in a pandemic, um, it's going to be rough. The question now is, what do we do to come out of it? What do we do to recover strongly? First and foremost, I think we as a city can be um, making sure that we get vaccinated quickly. Um, and, you know, certainly there's some logistics we can provide in terms of the actual vaccination campaign, but also just a, a, um, a public education campaign, making sure that everyone in Madison knows how to get vaccinated, knows why it's important to get vaccinated. I think we can do a lot to kind of keep that process on track. Um, Because first and foremost, we have to get through the pandemic in order to to allow for businesses to recover. Um, I also think there's a big opportunity here to, um, you know, kind of have a reset and to achieve more uh, equity in the business community. Let's take this moment to encourage people of color getting into entrepreneurship and starting businesses and owning businesses and actually um, build an economy now, um, you know, from from the, I'm not going to say the ashes of the old, but from whatever we're, we're in right now, um, that can actually be longer and stronger and more equitable going forward.
0: Thank you. What measures should Madison take to increase our city's environmental sustainability?
1: Yeah, so, so again, um, this is an area that I feel like um, uh, we love to blame the state for why we can't do more. I, I'm not interested in passing blame. That's, that's not why I'm running for office. I want to do things. I mentioned earlier uh, my proposal to take this Madison solar program, which is wildly successful. It doesn't cost the city almost anything. The city's not buying the solar panels. They're just coordinating the information, how to get in, in on this group buy, but because it's a collective purchase, it costs less, it streamlines the paperwork, it helps drive adoption. So We may not be able to strengthen our building code, but we can do voluntary programs like that for any manner of green energy production like geothermal or for um, uh, energy efficiency things like um, um, uh, like how we heat our homes and how we charge our, our electric cars. The other big thing is investing in public transit. Uh, we have to reduce the number of cars on the road, um, not just for for um, environmental purposes, but also for congestion purposes. More frequent buses, fare-free buses uh, would go a long way towards towards helping the environment here.
0: What would you like to say to the viewing audience as we
1: complete this interview? You know, again, I, I think the most important thing we as voters have to do in any election is... Not just give people credit for their rhetoric, but actually look at their results. Not just give people credit for their slogans, but look at their substance. Uh, in my race, in particular, and frankly, city-wide, we have a lot of city leaders who um, like to pick fights, like to you know make sound bites, but aren't committed to actually doing the work. Doing the work is hard. Doing the work involves figuring out the details and how to how to actually, uh, you know, pay for the programs we talk about. But that's how we're going to actually make a difference uh, in our community. Um, and uh, I hope that we can get our city back to a place where, you know, we're not the ones grabbing the headlines. I, I don't want credit for anything I might do on the city council. I just want to make Madison better, Uh, and I think if we have a bunch of people elected this year who have that attitude, uh, there's no stopping what we can accomplish together. I want to
0: thank David Hoffert for speaking with us and the viewing audience for taking the time to know your candidates. As with every election, please vote. On behalf of Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, I thank you for joining
1: us.